Well, hi there, church. How are we doing? Are we good? Who's good? Okay. You know me. I think I've come up a couple of times. Again, I started crying on the front row. Uh, the presence of God in this place. What has happened? What has happened in this place? Man, I've come a few times up here, but man, something has happened up here, and it's God at work in the lives of a of of the church, and and I don't I believe it's not just in the um, here. I believe that you guys are going out and and changing your world, and so man, I'm really excited. I'm really honoured. Thank you so much for having uh, me and Tim here this morning. This is my my hot husband over here. We're allowed to say that in church. We're allowed to say that. This is uh, my husband that I um, get to do ministry with and do life with. Um, he is the backbone to what, what I do. I just get up and do the kind of the front stuff, but he's the one that does, um, yeah. Anyway, he's a good man. He's a good man. Um, so thank you so much. Before I get started, uh, there's just a few things I want to do. Firstly, I want to thank you for being an amazing church. I really do believe uh, Pastor Paul and Sally Ann um, and the leadership team here, it never ceases to amaze me what God's doing in Kaitaia and what God's doing in the far north. And um, I want to encourage you that you guys are being salt and light. And you can tell from, I think the last time I was here, six months, almost six months, beginning of this year, to now there's, there's a significant shift of the Holy Spirit in this place. There's a significant shift of God working in this city. Even when we're walking around at the markets, OMG, the markets, I love the markets. Uh, walking around the markets, you feel the presence of God. You feel like, man, this city is called for more. And uh, you, the church, as well as the other churches in the city, I want to say thank you for being salt and light. Thank you for making a difference. I want to do a special shout out to all the volunteers in the house, people who make church happen. Come on, come on. Um, I'm passionate about the house of God. I love the house of God. I will serve every day of my life in the house of God. I'd rather spend all my days serving. I don't care if I'm a door. I don't care if I'm just standing on the door shaking hands. I don't care if I'm packing down chairs. I don't care if I'm sitting there teaching kids. It is an honor and a privilege to serve in the house of God. And I, um, I want to say thank you to all the red shirts this morning I saw out there. Red shirt people, the greeters. I want to say thank you to the kids' church, the car park people, the musicians, and the worship team. Come on. I want to say thank you to the youth team. Thank you to um, the most, one, one of the most important people, the, the kitchen team, the morning tea people. Trust me, it's not a good Sunday if morning, you know, the ladies don't turn up, the life group doesn't turn up. One of my things I hang out for is that, um, you know, the scones with the cream and the jam. I'm going to be really quick after the service. I'm going to, if there's none out there, oh, mate. Auntie Joy, Nana Joy. Thank you for the amazing team of people that serve tea and coffee. Thank you for those that do the offering, the ushering, the sound, pro presenter. I am passionate about the house of God. Even if I have to clean toilets, it doesn't matter. I'd rather be in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. I could be living rich. I could be living wealthy. I could be, be successful in a career. But if I'm not building the kingdom of God in this place, then my life counts for nothing. And I know that's really extreme, but I, I believe that you know, the expression of God's love is through the church. 
So thank you so much. And of course, I am the youth pastor and I'm passionate about young people. A massive shout out if you are young and you're sitting in this place, which is all these people over here and all these people over here. <laughs> Here's the thing. The church needs young people. Come on, the church needs young people for a number of reasons. One, because God has a plan and a call on your life that only you can fulfill. Okay, God has a plan and a call on your life that only you can fulfill. Two, this nation needs young people who are, who are passionate and crazy about their faith to reach their generation. So the older people in our church, I love us, I'm one of the older people. We can only reach people around us. The older, the, this generation, young people can only reach their generation. Thirdly, we need young people in the church because they keep us young. Young people are like the oil of Uland for the church. Anyone use oil of Uland? Come on, I need to start using that. Um, you keep us young. That's why I love doing youth ministry because I try and stay young. And four, we, the church, need to champion you and your faith. Young people, you can't do life by yourself. You can't do life, you can't do this Christian faith by yourself. You need the generation that's gone before you championing you on. You, they are your biggest cheerleaders. If you're young and you're sitting in this house, you need the older people. And all the older people said? And all the younger people said? Yes, come on. Whoever there was. Amen. So here, real quickly, and I didn't plan to do this, but I really feel it's in my heart. If you are young, you're in high school, you're in intermediates, bless my heart, intermediates, I want you to quickly stand. If you are year seven, year eight, nine to year 13, or you're a young adult, please stand. Oh, come on. Come on. If I was really good, I'd get this on Snapchat. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you guys real quick, and then we're going to get into the Word. So expect and receive. Father, I just thank you for every young person that's standing in this house. God, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose in their life. And God, I pray that you would give them the fire of God in their hearts. I pray that they would be so hungry for more of you, Lord God, that they can't help but, Lord, be in your word. They can't help but sit at your feet. They can't help but be locked away in your presence, Lord God. I pray that you would stir up a love and a passion for you, God, to be used by you, Lord, to not compromise their faith but be salt and light, Lord, to be ones that would go into their high schools, that would influence a culture, that would see their schools come to know Jesus. Father, what is impossible, man, is possible with you. And so, God, every young person from every intermediate and every high school, Lord God, I pray a fresh fire upon them. God, I pray that you would cause them to be limitless, Lord, in their faith because they serve a limitless God. Father, we release that over their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. Grab a seat. All right, we're going to get underway. So here's the thing. I have a, I have, I've got to confess I've got a bit of an addiction. I uh, have an addiction to young people. Um, it is one of my greatest passions in life next to pack and save. Um, I love hanging out with young people, and I've been doing youth ministry in our church for almost 19 years, um, and I've been married to Tim for almost two years. And, uh, <laughs> and I keep telling him, oh, the reason why you see McDonald's, Wendy's, cafes on our bank statement is because I've got to hang out with young people because that's, that's, where, that's where they are, right? Amen, McDonald's. Come on, double cheeseburger combo I've just discovered, $6.10. Woo! Come on. 
And so I'm telling him it doesn't actually work, but I'm telling him it's part of my job. You know, I've got to be where the young people are. Um, but I've discovered that as I go to McDonald's and Wendy's and all these nice cafes, Gecko Cafe, that I put on an extra few kilos. Um, and so me and Tim have decided, man, our challenge is that we're going to get a bit more fitter. We're going to get a bit more healthier. And uh, so we decided not long ago to run the Rotorua, uh, mar- uh, not marathon, Rotorua 10K run. And so Tim ran it. Get this, I almost died. Um, and not because I ran it, because I walked it. And um, seriously, the struggle is real. The struggle is real to be able to not just lo- lose the weight, but to participate in a race that uh, you're not actually fit. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Fetu's not, Fetu's like always benching. He's always like the man. So <laughs> anyway, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Um, and many times during the week, um, when I'm hanging out with young people, they tell me all sorts of things. They tell me all sorts of stories, and, you know, like, we're, we're catching up, and I'm like, oh, how come, you know, how come you're late? And they're like, oh, Pastor, struggle's real, man. I had to get out of bed. And I'm like, legit, I know what that is. That, that's real. The struggle is real. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, um, you know, oh, it's just hard. I tried to go for a run, and I'm like, oh, actual, legit, like, yep, that's true. The struggle is real. Working part-time, saving money, staying positive about being single, uh, not having friends to not having the right friends. All of these things are everyday challenges that we face in life. And at different seasons of our lives, we go through some really deep valleys and really painful hurts and struggles that have a major impact on our lives. Um, Whether it's our parents getting a divorce or dad losing his job, um, you've just found out that you're moving cities, you're changing schools, or you've just found out you've had some bad news from the doctors, or you've just broken up with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, for many of us Christians, we believe that once we become a Christian, oh, legit, everything's going to be fine, but it's furthest from the truth. It's quite opposite. So 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, it says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That means that we need to understand that struggles and hard times are a huge part of our Christian life. In Philippians 1, 29, it says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. In God's hands, our struggles can also be the way that God refines and strengthens our faith in Christ and encourages us to draw near to him during these times. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that your word is alive. And I thank you that your word has the power to transform us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every single person here this morning, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. So this morning, the title of my message is Hashtag Struggles. Hashtag Struggles. And what I love about the Bible is that it's full of people and men and women who struggle in their faith. We've got Moses in fear and trembling had to lead God's people who were disobedient and at times rebellious into the promised land. And even when they were constantly grumbling against God or him, his cries were like, how do I lead these people? Am I good enough, God? Job, who suffered great loss of loved ones and family, how is God real? Hannah, who was tormented by her husband's other wife for being childless, her grief and pain of not being able to conceive. And then we're reminded that even Jesus faced those struggles He was persecuted. Jesus was rejected. He was disowned. He had to hang on a cross. 
Jesus understands what pain and sorrow is. So if struggles are a reality in our Christian faith, it's so important for us to know how to embrace our struggles and work through them and not run away from them. God is always working our lives, even in our difficulties. In Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Every struggle and hard time we go through, whether big or small, has a purpose and it's not wasted. God is always working things for good. The story of Joseph in Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph says, you intended it for harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Our struggles have the potential to make us better people. And truth be told, it is during the winter seasons of our lives, it's in our struggles and in our difficult roads that they become the best teachers for our life and not so much the hilltop experiences. It's when our faith has been tested. It's when our, it's when our character is developed. Um, so just recently, I've been reading the story of David and King Saul and how David was always on the run and he was trying not to get killed by the king. And the more I got reading the psalm about David's plight, I felt God say, hashtag struggles. Do you ever read a passage from the Bible and all of a sudden God just says, man, God always speaks just random things and he's just like, hashtag, hashtag struggles. And I realized that David teaches us a lot about struggles that we face in life and how God gives us the grace to handle what life throws at us. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to uh, Psalm 55. Are we okay out here? Psalm 55. And so I'm going to set the scene. This is how it's so David pours, is pouring out his heart to God, and he is so troubled and so distraught that um, when you read it, you can identify with his pain. In verse 4 to 5, it says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terror of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. If I could run away, I would, far, far away in the desert, and run, and run away from all of this. How many times have you felt like, man, God, I'm out of here? I'm done. I am done. How many times have you, um, have you said, like, I'm just throwing it in God. I can't do another day. And on top of the struggles, David is talking about not just his enemies. David is saying, if it, David's talking about, about the betrayal of someone who was close to him. Oh, God, if I can, I can handle it if it was my enemy insulting me, if it was a foe that, that rises up against me, but a close friend, God? Someone who I, I once love, talk about a stab in the heart. Look at how David, a man after the heart of God, responds. And we go from verse 16 to verse 23. It says, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. Verse 19, God, who is enthroned from the old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you and he will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay and bloodthirsty and the deceitful. They will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. So here are a few things that we can take away from that passage about how David teaches us to, to deal with our struggles. First, David keeps it real. 
David is hurting. He's fighting for his life. Um, he's not pretending that everything's okay. The guy's just had a spear thrown at him. He's, I'm pretty sure he's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? I just had a javelin come to my head. He's not like, oh, that's not a javelin. That's a paper plane. He's like, legit, this guy's trying to kill me. He is honest at where he's at. Life is, life is not good, and he knows that he needs help. He's honest at telling God how he honestly feels about his enemies. In verse 15, this is how David, this is the extent of his, his pain. He's like, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave. I mean, that's pretty harsh. God, I pray that you would, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I'm like, if somebody, I was going to say, if somebody cuts me off the road, I'm like, get them a speeding ticket, God. You know, like that. But this is like intense. God's saying, God, would you take them to the grave? But I believe it's a powerful picture of David's emotions and how he was really feeling and how he was, what he was going through. The reason why I love this, because David tells us it's okay to be real. Now, I don't mean that it's a license to go around and tell people what you think of them and, you know, and, um, or let everybody know what's happening in your life. David shows us how to be real with God. It's a big difference. So I don't know about you, but we're often uh, challenged to put our best foot forward. So when you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook, all you're seeing is just the best parts of their days. All you're seeing is like a snapshot. And, and it, honestly, it, cause, it can cause you to go, oh, man, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I can't be real, or maybe my life is not together, she's not together, or he's not together. You know, maybe I can't feel like that because all I'm seeing is success. All I'm seeing is, man, these people have got it together. But the truth is, when we're looking on Instagram and Snapchat and, and Facebook, it's just a snippet of their lives. It's not the reality. It's not true. We need to remember it's not an actual true picture of themselves. It's a small part of their lives. If we were to Snapchat and if we were to put on Instagram how the, the challenges that we face and what we really go through, it'll look totally different. So David keeps it real. Secondly, David but calls God. Has anyone had a but call? And then you're like, you pick up your phone, you're like, oh, wrong. You, you, they're not even talking to you, but like, anyone, anyone, just me? Just me, just me. I, I, see, this is how God speaks to me, really random. This is reading in it, and he's like, see, he but called God. And I went, oh, he but called. But here's the thing. God doesn't say, oh, you don't but call God. And he goes, oh, wrong number. You weren't meant to call me. God says, he, he hears his prayer. Verse 16, it says, David called out to God. In our struggles, often we think we have to go with it alone. We feel the pressures of work. Things are not going good in our relationships. Our family's under attack. Our finances may not be in a good place. We battle in our minds, and stress and anxiety begins to set in. But David shows us that we don't have to go at it alone. David shows us that we can but call God, and we can begin to declare in our struggles who God is. And so this is what a but call God looks like. And it goes in verse 16, and we already read it. As for me, I called to God. And the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my call. He hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle that wages against me, even though many oppose me. 
God who is enthroned of old, who does not change. He will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Church, you need to tell God the struggles that you're going through. You need to but call God. You need to say, man, this is my struggle, God, but this is who you are in my struggle. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? I'm not saying that, oh, it just depends on what you're going through. Struggles are struggles, and we have big, small struggles. We have big struggles. We have really deep valleys that we go through, but we need to call out to God and say, even though I go through this, this is who you are. When I call out to God, you hear my voice. Because you know what? The word of God changes the way we think. And it is truth, even, even despite how we feel. So David keeps it real with God. David calls out to God. And thirdly, David trusts in God. And David understands that when he gives over what he's struggling with, he knows that God's going to sustain him through his struggles. Verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will, not, he will never let the righteous be shaken. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of grace and mercy to come before God and say, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I think a lot of us here, we find it hard to come before God with the things that we struggle with. And for a number of reasons, to be honest. I, I, I find this hard. One, because I'm afraid to take an honest look at my life. I'm afraid of what's in my heart. Or maybe I'm just, you know, you're, trying, you're always trying to find the solution. I'm always, you know, you want to play God. You want to find out, well, this is the reason why I'm going through it, and this is the possible answer. This is the possible solution. Or you just might think, actually, I don't need help at all. I'm okay. I've got this. But if we read the whole of verse 22, God promises to help us through what we go through. He promises us to, that he promises to hold us, to sustain us, that he's got our back, that he will watch over us. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So David teaches us in our struggles one, to keep it real. Two, but call out to God. Three, trust in God that he is going to sustain us through our struggles. So how do we embrace the struggles that we face? And I really, um, you know, when I was preparing for this message, I was just like, man, and I've been thinking about this for, for the last two or three weeks. And I don't know why, but I, I'd plan to come up with another message um, to speak and but at the same time, this kind of this word was brewing in my heart, and I really believe that this next part of what I'm about to share is nothing new, but it is for people who are sitting here in this room. So, um, how do we embrace the struggles that we face? How do I get through my struggles? How do I take on board what David teaches me? Here's number one: It's okay to be not okay. It's okay to be not okay. We live in a world that are like, man, come on, harden up. I used to have this saying when I was doing youth ministry for a long time. I used to like, bro, get over it. Come on, come on, let's, you know, lots to do. Come on, let's get over it. And it was so wrong. It was so wrong because that attitude, even though it was, it was an attitude for myself, I, I began to make it as a saying, oh, just come on, build a bridge, get over it. 
I think I destroyed a lot of people's lives and what they were going through at that time. I don't think I was very encouraging. And I don't know about you, but maybe you, you, you're hard on yourself. You're just like, oh, just handle it, handle it. You'll be all right, harden up. Sometimes people just need to know it's okay not to be okay. Life is hard without people making it even harder. Our young people today face huge pressures. When I was a teenager, just like two years ago, <laughs> what they face today, what our intermediate kids face today, is another ball game. I just think, though, you know, back in those days, oh, the stuff that you have to wait till you're like 18, 17, 18, you deal with those issues. Our 11 and 12-year-olds are dealing with those issues now. They've got the pressure of social media. They've got bullying happening, whether it's fitting in. They come from families where there's a possible parents are looking at divorce or they've got no fathers or there's a serious illness in the family or they're having to deal with that breakup. And I used to have an attitude of just get over it. You're broken up with your girlfriend and boyfriend. Oh, okay. A few weeks, you'll be all right. Come on, move on, move on. Some people need to know today, it's okay to not be okay. Two, talk to somebody. Confide in a leader or a parent or somebody that you trust and respect. They say a burden shared is a burden half. Don't go at it alone. Don't do it by yourself. Uh, I was talking to some 14, 15-year-olds, and I was asking them, how do they deal with struggles? And their number one thing that they came up with is that they want to talk to somebody face-to-face. They don't want to be online. They don't want to be in the messenger. They wanted to talk. To, it helped if they talked to somebody face-to-face. And I don't even think that's 14, 15-year-olds. I actually think that's for every single one of us, that we sit with somebody, that we can confide in somebody, that we can say, man, I'm just going through this stuff. Whether it's to do with your family, your marriage, or your own personal issues that God's, whether God's brought up issues from your past or your childhood or your upbringing, Having somebody to talk with helps heaps. And if you are the person that, that if you are the, happen to be that person that somebody confines in or somebody's talking to them, I just want to assure you, don't feel the pressure to have the answers for them. Just be the friend. Be the one that loves on them. Be the one that allows your shoulder to be wet and let them cry. Be the one that gives the hug. Be the one that checks up on them every now and again, drops a text, be the one that goes over and takes a meal, be the one, don't, you don't have to know the answers to help them through. Just love them, pray for them, support them. If you're that friend, you don't have to have the answers. So one, it's, un, it's okay to not be okay. Two, talk to somebody. Three, seek help. In our struggles, sometimes the need to get professional help um, sometimes you need to get professional help. Um, and you don't need to suffer in silence. But you need to know that there are people out there that care for you, that love you, that want to help you and can help you. I had a friend of ours um, and we were at uni and we got a phone call and they said, hey, your um, dad had a, 
a freak accident, and we were like, oh, okay. Uh, so he, was, he wasn't too old, but he was playing rugby, and he had a, a tackle that went wrong. And what turned out to be just like a social, you know, like a president's rugby match, uh, we were sitting there in intensive care, and her dad was um, hooked up to life support just, just through a wrong tackle. And so she, we were Christians, and we were really fired up Christians at the time. Um, and we believed that God would heal her dad. And um, in over three days, her dad finally had passed on. And uh, the next 10 years of her life, we walked with her and journeyed with her. And um, I think maybe halfway through, she had a massive breakdown because she didn't deal with the, the loss and the grief that she was feeling. And it wasn't until 10 years later, after the passing of her father, that um, she finally went and got counselling. And, and at that time, we just didn't know any better. We thought, oh, the power of prayer. And, uh, but um, what, what she needed was that somebody could say, hey, it's okay, and I'm here for you, and maybe we, we need to go and get counseling for this. And, and there's no shame in that, but we, it's good to do it, and I'll come with you. But we had left it for 10 years of her life, and her suffering, not a mint, but almost, her body physically shut down because she was so traumatized by not having deal with the sudden passing of her dad. And he was everything to their family. We would have family parties, barbecues, everything, and her dad was like the, he made the party. And in one weekend, he was gone just like that. It's okay to seek help. Whether it's grief counseling, whether you need medical help or treatment, whether you have addictions, there's things in our community that have services for you. I'm almost there, guys. Thank you for hanging. So one, it's okay to not be okay. Two, talk to somebody. Three, seek help or get the help that you need or get somebody to help you. Four is to get the Word of God in you. We need the Word of God because while man is awesome, it's the Word of God that is truth. And it's the Word of our struggles and our difficulties need to hear that this is the God who we serve. Um, and just a real, it doesn't deny your struggles, it just brings God onto the scene doesn't deny what you're going through or the pain that you go through. It just brings God onto the scene. And so the other day I was, I was a little bit angry, just, just a little bit. I was, I was really ticked off about something. But I, I kind of it started getting worse and worse in my heart. I don't know. I know you guys are all godly people, but not me. I was just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty ticked, <laughs> pretty angry. Um, and it was like... Just get the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about anger. And it literally is that. It's not like, oh, am I right? Or are they wrong? And rah, rah, rah. It was like, get the Word of God and see what God tells you about anger. And God takes me to Ephesians 4, 26, 32. And it says, in your anger, don't sin. And already I'm like, Ugh. don't let the sun go down on you while you're angry. Don't, let the, don't give the devil a foothold. A foothold. Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what is helpful for booting up others. Get, and verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling. Um, 
Verse 32, be kind and compassionate. And after reading this, honestly, it just put things into perspective for me. I was still angry, and anger um, was still brewing in my heart. But honestly, it just calmed me down. I was just like, man, even though I'm angry or even though I'm hurt, this is what God says. And I was challenged and, um, mainly because, and you know what the word that stood out with, for me? That was hard case funny, but it was like, get rid of brawling. Because I just want like, I'm going to go and find that person. <laughs> I'm going to deal with that person. And the anger and the rage, like, and, and just out of reading that, God just said, be careful what comes out of your mouth. And the word brawling was what really stood out for me. And it's like, and don't try and fight anybody. And I was like, oh, but they deserve it. But anyway, and so I'm having these uh, conversations with God. It's okay to not be okay. We need to talk to somebody. It's important to seek help. It's important to get the word of God into and give us perspective on where we're at. And lastly, be encouraged that know that you will come through this. Isaiah 43, 1-2, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not will not set you ablaze. God won't give you something that you can't handle. Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 30, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Can I have the band up, please? This morning, as you embrace and face the struggles in life, that you can realize that you don't have to be perfect, that it's okay not to be okay, that you can talk to somebody, you don't have to go at it alone, that there are people here that want and can help you, that it's okay to go and get that help that you need, to realize that God is faithful to every promise to you and his word, and that when you get through this, and that you will be able to get through this. Our struggles are temporary, are momentary, but God can turn up and He can do a miracle. Church, let's, in your struggles, I'll encourage you, be like a David. Keep it real, cry out to God, and trust that He's gonna sustain you. When you give your cares over to Him, when you say, man, God, I come and I lay it down. I lay down my loss, I lay down my hurt, I lay down my pride my betrayal, God. I lay down my finances. I lay down my marriage, God. I lay down, Lord, my dreams. I lay it down before you. I give it over to you, God, knowing that you will sustain me. God says, when you bring it before you, he will sustain you. He's your rock. He's your strength. He's going to give you hope. He's going to be your joy. He's going to give you a dream. God, can you use me? God says, I can use anyone. If you surrender, if you give over, if you bring before me those things, I will sustain you. You will get through this. Church, why don't we stand?